Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Corruption What Happened to Grant Solomon? I'm your host, Lauren Conlin. Today, I have a special guest, Cheryl, aka Mac McCollum. She will tell you all about herself during our interview, but I'm going to brag on her for just a minute. Cheryl is an active crime scene analyst for the Metro Atlanta PD and for a CBS affiliate. She's a college professor, author, a contributor for Nancy Grace, and she has her own podcast, Zone 7. So Cheryl weighs in on the actual investigation of Grant's accident, or lack thereof, and she points out some things that really gave me chills and, you know, made me sad as well. And I I keep thinking like, okay, all of these people analyzing the accident is going to be a little repetitive, but it's not. I learned something new every single time. And Cheryl is definitely objective. Although she does know the background of the Solomon family, the custody battles, allegations of abuse, she feels like as a police officer, all of this is very relevant to Grant's accident and you will see why. So pivoting to a separate topic, but also having to do with the police, It's crazy because I know that the Luna Shark team and another pretty big true crime podcast requested files through FOIA from the Gallatin and Franklin PD, which should probably take a few weeks at most. But Beth Braden from Luna Shark mentioned they told her it would probably be December before she has anything. And another podcast slash journalist was told October after requesting files in June. So... It was kind of a coincidence to me that I spoke to Beth and then I, I heard from Angie about this other journalist who requested these files and what they were told. I was scrolling through Twitter over the weekend and Mandy Matney tweeted something that really hit home. Something along the lines of, quote, when law enforcement knows they're right and can prove you wrong, they do it. They give up documents quickly and show you why you're wrong, end quote. So I will let you guys draw your own conclusions there. 
So something a little bit off topic that I just want to clarify, hear me out for two seconds. I got a comment somewhere on some platform from from somebody talking about when I compared Tennessee to where I live in New York City, something about me being shocked Tennessee has crime and New York City doesn't. Oh my goodness, please let me clarify and apologize. New York City is a crap hole right now, riddled with crime. I'm sorry if I did not make that clear. My issue with Tennessee and what I find so jarring and scary at times is that the people that you are supposed to trust, the quote unquote nice guys, they are actually not so nice behind closed doors pertaining to this case and to this story. And the fact that Tennessee is a mandated reporter state of sexual abuse. And here we have recorded that people in the Christian school Gracie attended wanted to sweep it under the rug. So yeah, I think the main difference uh, or the main thing that, that I was getting at is that in my experience in New York City, I do trust most of the people around me that are quote unquote good. And I can go to my local precinct and I have before, and I felt heard and taken care of and safe. And that's just not something that Angie and Gracie Solomon and a handful of other people that I've interviewed have experienced in Tennessee. And and that was all that I meant. So I wanted to clarify and I wanted to apologize if that uh, confused anybody. And again, that's just my experience. I'm definitely not speaking for everybody in New York City, and I'm not speaking for everybody in Tennessee. It's funny. I've been accused of sounding like a privileged New Yorker and coming off as insensitive for supporting my local police. So I find that to be really interesting. People always try to pull politics into cases like this, and I just, I don't think that's necessary. But, okay, pivoting to something that I've kind of struggled with on on how to verbalize for this episode, but I think it's very important to this case and to this story, and it shows you exactly what Angie Solomon has been dealing with for the last 10 years. So I was in Tennessee for two days, two days, that's it. And my name got pulled into an extremely bizarre situation that ended with someone photoshopping and forging a text from me to them in order to push along a narrative they were creating with an attorney's office. I'm going to keep their identity anonymous, but this someone that maybe I messaged about the case on two or three separate instances since May. That's it. And they haven't really done anything to assist me or, or help me. I, I haven't asked them questions or, or asked them for any information. And, and I don't mean that negatively. I'm not bashing this person because of that. It's, it's just a fact. I was introduced to them and, and they are doing something different than, than Grant and Gracie's story, but the stories intertwined a bit. So anyway, they photoshopped a text from me in order to maintain this narrative they created for an attorney's office. And this text was actually sent to the attorney's office and the attorney believed it. 
And they ran with it. And you know, why wouldn't they believe it? They have no reason not to. This person used to work in law enforcement. So this is really scary to me because if these men have zero issue forging a message from me, someone in town for two days, someone they don't even know, they've never met, I've never done anything to them in a in a negative way. I mean, if they can do that, what have they done to Angie for the last 10 years? I can't even think about it. It just makes it so difficult to trust anyone in the surrounding area when it comes to this investigation. And I do apologize if this story is a little bit vague or unclear. I guess I'm not trying to stir the pot any further because this person clearly needs to do some kind of mental health check or something uh, because this is crazy. But I, again, I did think it was kind of important to the story so you would all understand ugh, the fact that it's just so hard to trust people when it comes to this. But Okay, I've got to stop rambling. So let's get into my interview with Cheryl McCollum. You're going to absolutely love Cheryl and really appreciate her take. Okay, everyone. I am here with Cheryl Mac McCollum. I'm going to call her Mac. She told me I could, and I'm very excited. I feel like I'm I'm in or something um, with the cool kids. But um, thank you so much for joining us, Mac. And could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am an active crime scene investigator with the Metro Atlanta Police Department. I am a native Atlantan, married to my high school sweetheart. We have two children in college, and I have worked in the criminal justice field. This year will be 45 years. Wow. And you also have a podcast. Tell us about that. And I have a podcast called Zone 7. And the way that came about was Atlanta has six police zones. So back in the day, We didn't have cell phones or pagers even, so we would just over the radio say, you know, 5-9 at Zone 7, meaning our favorite cop bar. Mm. And the reason we would do that is, you know, supervisors, we weren't saying anything bad over the radio. We were just saying meet someplace. So that's where Zone 7 came from is your your inner group of people, your, your folks that you can rely on to meet you somewhere, to celebrate with you, to have your back, to tell you when you're wrong. You know, those battle-tested friends, true friends. Yes. So that's where it came from. So diving right in here, um, you know, we follow each other on Twitter, and I know you've been keeping up with a lot of these posts. I sent you a whole bunch of documents uh, to review. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, for the first time, went to the crime scene uh, last weekend. And you know what, yep. Mac? I was I was floored. I was floored and and I clearly make my opinion known. But just give me your initial thoughts on on this 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 death accident and and what you think. Well, I have a mantra and one of them is you have got to go to the scene. So one of the first things I was gonna do is brag on you. <laughs> you cannot completely understand a crime scene if you don't walk it. Mm-hmm. You may think you understand how steep that driveway is or exactly how close to the roadway or what kind of highway is it? How busy? Like, what are we really talking about? You go in there, to me, put your investigation in a whole different level because you began to see some things that you already kind of questioned, but now you're like, no, I'm throwing a flag. So the truck is too high. You know, he might could have fit all the way under it. That's not making any sense. 
It's not making any sense that this truck in part would have ever moved. It's not making sense. The tires are turned to the right. Is there any damage to the grass? Because the photographs that I've seen don't show me that. Those, you know, there would have been some injury to the grass. You would have seen the tire tracks. If you just pull into a friend's yard at a party to turn around, the next morning they can see where you did that in their yard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's, if there's other things that aren't making sense, where his glasses landed. And, and let me be, per, you know, perfectly clear. I am not Monday morning quarterbacking. I don't know this department. I don't know all the things that they did or didn't do. But when you have a death, you have got to work it as though eventually you have got to talk to that mama and make her understand. So if you've got a suicide, you better be so freaking perfect because she's already not going to accept it. Mm. So you have to have more than enough, not just... Well, here's an empty bottle of pills and a note. Nope. Mama's going to need more than that. So you've got to go talk to friends. You've got to make sure when did they pay their rent? Have they given anything away? Did they quit their job? What does their boss say? What does their girlfriend say? What does their ex-girlfriend say? Mm. Like you want this whole picture of this child Mm. before you go to the mom and say, well, they killed themselves. The same is true. Before you go to a mama and say, well, this was a horrible accident with your ex-husband that this child hadn't fooled with in two years, that another child has already said he is an abusive, rapist, child molester. Mm. You have got a mama at the hospital that's telling you there are not injuries to this child that is matching up with this man is telling me. At that point, the world should have stopped. At that point, that investigator should have said, wait a minute, I'm getting some victimology here that I didn't know before. If this man was abusive and this child's got a major injury to the back of his head and he, he's not scraped up off the rocks that you couldn't even lay down on, <laughs> no. how in the world is he not injured? Just abrasions through that. So, Again, you need to go back. And I just want to say, and I'm not, again, talking about any department. I'm talking mm-hmm. about in general. And I want to be real clear. This has got nothing to do with Tennessee. Okay. In general, you should spend hours understanding that scene to your satisfaction. So as soon as they roll up, they ain't heard the 911 call yet. Mm. All they've got is dad on scene and arguably no witnesses. Yeah. Okay. You need to go to work. And part of that would have been a reenactment. I mean, I want to see it. I want, this is where the tires landed. This is how it happened. If he's coming off that, mm. is are the tires aligned or would that steering wheel got bumped and turned to where those tires are making sense would it have gone all the way into the roadway that car weighs three thousand pounds would it have stopped there or would it have kept going yeah i mean so just backing up because what you're saying i mean i almost i almost was in tears for a second because nobody has has said it from the perspective of actually working these crime scenes and having to tell somebody's mother that they passed away 
because they either committed suicide, they were involved in an accident. I mean, you are so correct on that. I mean, hours it should take a police force to understand this, to go back to, you know, the the victim's mother or, or relative. So I got chills when you said that. And, you know, additionally, I, I've said this a few times since I visited the scene of the accident. And I, I found it very interesting when I saw the depth of the ditch. And I didn't have a tape measure, unfortunately. But the depth of that ditch was so, so deep that we all were like, the, the, the truck would have flipped. It would have flipped or it would have stayed put. And there's no way that it would have kind of sloped up onto the sidewalk, which, you know, I have to look this up. I I haven't gotten a chance to because it kind of just popped into my head. But since it was on the sidewalk like that, isn't that technically uh, something that the TBI should investigate since it was kind of on the highway, like a public highway? I, I don't know, but... That just seems to me that maybe the TBI should have been called in immediately if the truck was even on the highway. Well, you might think that, but normally your state bureau of investigation has to be invited in by the original department. Okay. So if they like it was necessary, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with that. Here's what I do have a problem with. It took Grant as long to drive there from his house as it did for them to investigate. Right. There is no way in 57 minutes you can work a death investigation. There's no way. Now, what they might have decided is they're going to let the medical examiner give them the rest of the information. Mm -hmm. So was it blood force trauma? Did he have drugs in his system? Did he have a stab wound that nobody saw? Anything like that, they may be waiting. The problem with that is dad goes and says, we don't need an autopsy. Right. Yeah. Okay. That, that's not a good look either. Right. So again, somebody somewhere should have stepped in to say, we are going to treat this like a homicide until the evidence says otherwise. Right. You have virtually no witnesses. Take dad out of the equation because he was there. Mm-hmm. Right. Who else saw it? Nobody. When did Grant leave his house? What time did he pull up? And who knows for sure that's when it happened. Did he cut his GPS off of his phone once he found the place? Was he talking to a friend and hung up? There should be some activity on that phone. There are flock cameras where they mm-hmm. would have picked up on his tag that, hey, he went through this intersection at this time. The time adds up. Dad says he's responding to an email that's easily checked. Mm -hmm. So if dad hits that email, reply all at whatever time it was, and I apologize, you know, this case inside now, (laughs) but the the time it was before it was, yeah, before 9 a.m. Supposedly grand arrives at 841. He's hurt by 843. Mm. So it's hard for me to believe dad could get him out of that car, hit him in the back of the head with a bat, drive him down the hill drive the car back and stage it and nobody see it in two minutes. And then what is the motive? So again, you may be questioning, you know, this could be a terrible accident. Absolutely. It could be. And the evidence should show that. But if the evidence starts showing you anything else, why aren't his shoes scuffed up? Everybody in the summer that has ever walked behind a car that's cranked 
goes, oh, my Lord, that thing is hot as fire. <laughs> Why is he not burned? Yeah. Why does he not burn injuries, right? Mm. Why are his shoes not either knocked off or scuffed up? This child is an athlete. He would have been fighting to climb back up on that car. His hands have no injuries. Not That's even trying point. to catch him. Right? Yeah. So you look at what would somebody do? So even with that head injury, if that car bumped him on the side where he's got the bruising on the left side mm-hmm. and he hit his head on a rock and he's passed out, that's why his shoes have no scuff marks maybe and his hands are free because he was knocked out. But the reality is if he was run over and drugged, there still would have been evidence of that on his clothing, the back of his shirt, his back, his hair. Um, anybody here that's ever had a skint knee on asphalt, there's little bitty rocks in your, you've seen it yourself. Yeah. yeah. I've experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. His back. He was wearing shorts. He should have it all on his legs. Right. Right. I, that's, that's a big question. A big question mark. Um, and you nailed it. It's not, go ahead. I was going to say there should not be, there should be no question. Somebody should be able to sit with his mama and explain to her, this is what we know now happened based on his injuries, based on the car, based on the grass, based on the rocks, without your husband seeing it, ex-husband. If he was yeah. looking down sent email, we can tell you what happened based on the evidence. Well, from what I can understand, nobody's done that. Nobody. You're, you're correct. Somebody, and let's just be real. Mm-hmm started with somebody she doesn't trust somebody she don't even like yeah somebody she has grown to have disdain for so again when you sit with her you better come so correct that yes i know this daughter i know your son hadn't fooled with him in two years he didn't hurt your son and here's how i can show you instead they can't do that They can't explain it. They won't explain it. Mm -hmm. Why in the world at this point would those original people not sit down with her and say, ma'am? That's that's a question. (laughs) The DA could invite her with those original responding officers and explain it to her. She is a well-educated, rational woman. Mm -hmm. She can bring her attorney Her attorney can even say, oh, I see now. That would have been helpful to know a long time ago. But now that she's heard it, can you see this? Can you see what they're telling you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I want to just go back to that because I think that you also make some really good points throughout this whole thing where, you know, I've made calls to the Gallatin PD. I've made calls to the DA's office uh, years ago. Not, I mean, not that many years ago, but 2021, um, there was a defamation lawsuit that Aaron Solomon issued uh, to about 27 people. And, you know, the whole thing was mainly like a 300 page document about how crazy Angie was. Right. And so in this document, Ron Blanton actually said um, he's the assistant D.A. Ron Blanton actually said. You know, we opened a second investigation, uh, Mrs. Dr. Solomon, and, you know, we found nothing at this time that would allow us to reopen this case. 
And that was that. Then he signed off. And and that was a letter. It was literally in a letter form. And so, you know, when I'm doing the digging on this case, I said, hey, Angie, like, what what is this? They reopened the investigation or like this is this is news. And she was like, oh, no, that was nothing. They had a couple guys go to the scene and say, oh, nothing to see here. That was that. And then she got a letter. Okay, Mac, she got a letter. So I fully believe, and again, this might be speculatory, but I think that they really underestimated her and and the fact that they just thought, okay, she was just going to take this news, you know, roll over and, and, and just grieve. Well, you know, it doesn't take much of anybody to realize that, you know, things, things just didn't make sense. They don't make sense. And I, I'm, you know, I'm frustrated because I just feel like this, um, an accident recon would have, would have literally helped us all here. And, and that wasn't done. And, and like you said, since then they have treated her like a pariah. They have treated her like a leper instead of a grieving mother. So you work it homicide and on a homicide, you would bring out the tape. You bring out the can of spray paint. You would mark everything. You would measure everything. Mm. The way body was would have to make sense. And then if you go to the hospital and you hear that mama talking like that, you should immediately say, hey, I want to hear that 911 call right now. And on that 911 call, you would ask yourself beforehand, what do I expect to hear? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. He doesn't tell you his child's name. He doesn't ask for help. He doesn't say the word help at all. He doesn't say ambulance. Nothing. He, he implies to you that he's not even down there with his child. On the mm-hmm. 911 call. Now, mm-hmm. you, there's a couple of places where I might can hear somebody in the background, but I'm not mm-hmm. real sure, and I certainly can't tell what they're saying. Yeah. But he says, there's three guys here, and then we can't find those three men. Okay. He says, one might have looked like a construction worker or something. Well, then on the photographs, there looks like somebody, if you didn't know, he might look like a construction worker, but I think he's the tow truck driver. Where oh no, those those photographs, no, the men were never photographed. That that was just something completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I'm, I'm the 
person at the gym that said it could have been somebody that, yes. okay, here's yes. my, yes. what alerted him, if there were no witnesses, what alerted him to go outside? So Was it Mr. Saul? Yeah, this is, oh, so there have been a few, there have been a few um, answers to this. So the PI that was used in 2021, Dan Hodges, he, former FBI, he interviewed, um, I believe it was one of the employees who said he looked outside and saw that the cars were kind of parked oddly. So that's what made him kind of look. And then he just went back to his business. And then uh, he said he looked outside and saw Aaron Solomon pacing in the parking lot and Grant's truck over, you know, by the side of the ditch. So, I, you know, I'm I'm having a hard time with the WPI employees, I guess, at this point. What is true? What is not true? One of them moved away uh, to Australia, apparently, and they shut down WPI so it's kind of a big empty uh, warehouse, and I I believe that one of the employees' stories changed twice. So I I am not sure. But what I will just add quickly is that when I did lay down in the ditch, you you can't see anything from either direction if somebody's laying there. So when cars were driving by, all they probably saw was Grant's truck kind of peeking out. I don't think that would have been enough for anyone to stop. And say, oh my gosh, what happened? Because you can't see anybody. Right. I'm, I meant from the building even. Oh, know- yeah, 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 yeah. That was just the, the weird parked cars. Yeah. Yeah. But again, when he's trying to give a statement that, yes, there were three men, they look like instructional workers. What would have alerted him to even do that? So again, there just mm-hmm. needs to be follow-up questions is my point. And when you're talking about working a death scene, for 57 minutes from the time you get there assessing the situation taking the photographs searching to see if anybody's got video searching for witnesses taking dad's initial statement calling for the tow truck waiting on the tow truck Mm. somehow getting the tow truck off that child so that ems can get there marking where the tires were um 57 minutes nothing Nothing. And that's not even investigative part. That's just what I've got to do to get to the point that I can investigate something. So what, what do you think? And, and I don't want you to have to speculate, but as a, you know, a, what do you think went through their heads? I guess the police, while they said, okay, we're talking to witnesses and then, oh, you know what? Dad says it's an accident, so it so it has to be an accident. Case closed. I guess where what is the thought process behind that? Someone says it's an accident, and they don't know, right? They don't know what goes on behind closed doors, so they have no reason to not believe it's an accident. But still, that's that's not protocol, right? I would imagine when you drive up to a scene because you're talking about a short area. I mean, it's not a huge, massive place you have to search. I mean, there's the building. There's the parking lot that slopes down. There's the grass area. There's mm-hmm. the ditch and the sidewalk. So if somebody says that truck rolled down and rolled over that child, it's a horrible accident. It looks A to B. That's exactly what it looks like happened. My point is there should be injury to the grass. There should be injury to Grant that makes sense. There, I mean, it's almost astronomical that nobody driving by even had to swerve out of the way of that truck thinking that truck's coming in the street. Yeah. Nobody saw anything. Nobody, Nobody was also showing up for an appointment. Nobody was leaving. 
Nobody was showing up for work late. Nobody passed by. There's not another video anywhere. And let's just talk about video for a minute. You have flock cameras. You should potentially have video on that building. You have buses, uh, emergency vehicles, Teslas. All mm-hmm. these things have cameras all the time. There's nothing across the street. Nobody has any video. That is overwhelming to me. It happens, yeah. but it, but in a pure accident, usually you're going to have some type of proof, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I'm, I'm just wondering now. Um, so let's say what you said, they, they get there and they say, okay, the dad, dad says it rolled over him point A to point B. It looks okay. Yeah. That, that matches the car, but you know, then they take him away in the ambulance. Now, at what point, let's say they say, okay, we're, we're good here. We took the dad's statement. He went off to the hospital. At what point do police find out whether or not the the victim lives or dies? And then what, if it was an accident and they determined it to be an accident at the scene, what are next steps? Okay. It really depends on what their protocol is. So again, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to call general. Okay. A detective would go to the hospital to, again, watch the family dynamic, talk to mom, talk to the sister. Again, mom's not making any, you know, qualms about it. She's Mm -hmm. flat telling me this is not right. He told me a truck ran over him. He looks like he does every day, Mm -hmm. except for the back of the head and a small bruise on his cheek. Well, somebody else should go, wait a minute, what? That's pretty weird. If you've ever responded responded to somebody getting hit by a car they have multiple injuries in a multiple different places because it's not one impact it's not the car it's the car then the street well here you have the truck the roadway the embankment and then rocks he should have a ton of injuries because he had more than one impact and then you've got a dog telling you witness rape me what okay that by itself should take a moment, right? So again, I'm going to be perfectly clear. If Gracie was not telling the truth, Mm -hmm. you know what mama you're dealing with. So I'm telling you again, you better go back and have every single thing perfect. If Gracie's telling the truth, which I have no reason to believe she's not. Mm -hmm. Grant didn't fool with that man either. And mama's gone to court more than once. And then Gracie got a court order saying dad's got to stay away from me. And the police have been to that house more than one time, which is a real easy check. You can do that over your radio without getting out of your car. How many <laughs> times have we been? So then you you add all that up and go, okay, we need to interview some more people then. Why on that morning? Why at this location an hour away from your home? Mm-hmm. And when you listen to it, and he says, please hurry, please hurry. Well, one thing we're taught is when somebody is polite over 911, that's a flag. Because most people call 911 for what reason? It's an emergency. I don't have time to go, hey, girl, I'm good. How are you? Great. Well, if y'all get a minute, if you could ride over here and put this fire out, that would be fabulous. No, <laughs> I call you and I'm like, I'm at 1700 North Decatur Drive. It, there's a fire. There's a fire. There's an old woman stuck in here. I'm telling you as quick and succinct as I can. 
He's like, please hurry, please hurry. And for some reason, and I don't know why, the very first thing he says is, I'm trying or something yeah. about trying. He says, I'm trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, trying means failed. Yeah. It, what did you fail? Yeah. What did you Aaron? Okay. So then he says, um, yeah. my son's truck. Um, you got to think about it. And he still hasn't told us who his son is. He has not said his name at all. He tells him an address. And then he says, somehow this happened. But now he's telling you, he's giving you the answer. Mm-hmm. It must have come out of gear or engaged in some way. He's explaining who takes the time to explain how the fire started. I just want you to come here and put it out. I will tell you after y'all get here, I was smoking in bed. Yeah. Okay. Need you to come right now and put it out. That's what jo- Doctor Johnston said too. She said the exact same okay. thing. Yeah, but but this is how anybody you would do this for a stranger, ma'am. Yeah, you would be screaming for somebody to come help somebody you didn't know. But this is your baby, and then he says, "This is not good." <laughs> is it not okay. good? Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right. Then he says. Somebody's telling me he's coming too. That was weird. So now that's telling you, you're not down there with your baby talking to him, telling him you love him, telling you help is coming, telling him not to worry. It's going to be all right. Where are you, Eric? That somebody else is telling you, hey, he's coming too. And if he is coming too, you're not running down there. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm not Dr. Joni. It's not my wheelhouse. I'm just telling you as a mama. Yeah. He now, he's real hard time explaining this to me to where I can understand it. And then he goes on to make some really odd statements, in my opinion, when he said somebody's talking to him and they think he might aspirate. We need to hurry. We need to hurry. Okay, that's weird. And then this is the thing that I just, I don't get this at all when he says he hollers. So, you know, he's a distance from him. Grant, turn your face to the side if you can, barely. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, the operator, you can hear the sirens, and the dispatcher says, okay, I'm going to let you go. They're here. And he goes, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, I know. Not just up, mm-hmm. but when he tells Grant, turn your head, barely. It's, I, yeah. It- <laughs> I mean, I worked up. Tony, I could do two, you know, two days on that statement. Yeah. So again, if this is not an accident, mm-hmm. in my opinion, done nothing to help himself with that nine one one call. Yeah, and I guess like everything on the nine one one call and everything that you're saying, clearly that's not a crime. It's not a crime to go down and not be with your son. It's not a crime to act completely inappropriately while your son is dying under a car. But. <laughs> If the police had listened to this call, that might have that might have caused them to do a bit more um, of an investigation. And now, you know, this is you bring up an interesting point about a detective following up at the hospital. I actually do not know if a detective followed up at the hospital. So I'm going to look into that because I I do know that, you know, Angie wouldn't have been one to speak to probably at the hospital at that time because as she describes, you know, and I think it was a the, the bonus episode I did on this. She was on the floor for a very long time, screaming, crying as a mother would. And um, 
you know, so she definitely wouldn't have been the one to speak to. So if a detective did show up at the hospital, I'm willing to bet Mac, and this is speculatory, but they went right to Aaron Solomon, who was very composed on the phone, booking a singer for the funeral. I mean, I'm willing to bet they went to him and said, okay, so it was an accident this is what happened. You, you know, that's, that's what I think. And that is, that is completely wrong. Completely wrong. But let's jump in here. Mm. If you've got two people, let's take Gabby Petito. Mm-hmm. Gabby Petito was crying, inconsolable, incoherent, not making a lot of sense. Who's calm? Who's joking with police? Who's yeah. real? I don't even have a cell phone, man. Yep. And then later, hey, can I get my charger for my cell phone? Because you're not paying attention. He just said he didn't have a cell phone, but now he wants the charger for his cell phone. If you cannot walk up to a scene and ask yourself, why is she so upset? And he's joking, probably because he's the abuser. You're right. Why in the you rolled up at the hospital and Mama's in the floor? Dad's calm as he can be. Yeah, let me go ahead and start making arrangements. You should still look at that and go, "Does this ring true for me?" And stop putting 1950 in your head that women are going to be hysterical all the time. And if mm-hmm. she's hysterical, I don't want to deal with her. That's your freaking job. Yeah, She can still give you information because she was giving people information at that hospital that his injuries are not matching up to her. So I'm trying to help law enforcement. I'm trying to help that detective to say, hey, if she's acting like this at the hospital, give her about two months and she's going to be all over you and she's never going to let up. So I'm telling you, the best for you to do is go figure out why he's not hurt more than he is. Why is he hurt where he is? Why are there no burns? Why are, his, why are his shoes perfect? Yes, there was some blood on the shoes, but why was the truck in part? Why can you not recreate this with the truck in part? That truck don't move in part. In that ditch, it was in part. If you can't explain that to me, then we have an investigation. Well, I mean, right. there, It, it was in park in the ditch, and uh, supposedly it was not malfunctioned at all because Aaron Solomon drove it around for a month and a half after. So, and that, I mean, I, that was going to roll over him. Uh, what, would you, would you drive a truck that your son had been dragged to death in that supposedly malfunctioned, but you're not sure would you, would anybody in their right mind? And I, this is where I get mad where I'm like, guys, like these, 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 these are facts. These are these are part of what should have been an investigation. And why people get so upset with me, I think, is because then I say, well, you know what? Gallatin PD, yes, 46,000 people, you know, in that town. It's not a, a huge police force, but they are seasoned and they have an in-house accident recon team in-house, okay? They know better than what they did, which leads me to believe, speculating, that it was compromised somehow. Because how else... You ignore all these signs. How else? You have to try very hard to ignore those signs. Well, let me just say one thing. Too bad you don't have any passion. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and you know, when you're you're fighting for things and you have a gut feeling, you know, I think that's something to be celebrated because not everybody can do it. And I think it takes all of us to learn. And again, I don't know the police department. I'm not even talking about this police department. I want to be really super clear. Mm-hmm. This ain't case. I didn't work it. I ain't worked the crime scene. But here's what I'm telling you. No death investigation 
should be a single focused investigation. It should almost always be parallel. Mm -hmm. If somebody is dead, work it like a homicide. But at the same time, work it like you see it. If this looks like an accident, if it looks like a suicide, if it looks natural, Mm -hmm. if they've got 47,000 different pills for cancer and they've lost their hair and there's cards on the bedside table about, you know, good luck, keep your head up, you know, chemotherapy, you're going to do great. Mm -hmm. You may think this is absolutely natural. Work it that way. But in the back of your mind, did somebody assist them in suicide? Did they take their own life? You still work it. Mm -hmm. So again, you talk to the family. You can comfort them with facts, what you know to be true. And you should not have to work and think, man, I wonder uh, what the medical examiner is going to say. You should know. So in this case, when mama's already got an issue, you've seen the scene and the scene is little. I mean, you've got a building, you've got a truck, you got another truck in the ditch, you've got some rocks, you got some grass. Um, yeah. It's not a big thing. You're not, you're not taking boxes and boxes of evidence. There's very little. But you even, to me, have to work it harder in some situations. And, you know, those, those parallel things are just important. And, you know, get a statement analysis person to do the 911 call for you. That's going to take two hours. Okay. That's a good, I'm going to write that down. Statement analysis. Cause we've had body language experts, you know, and that, yeah. So the last thing I want to ask you before I let you go is, you know, we, we are ready to, to, to do an in, independent investigation. And I mean, I think, you know, we have a team of experts that's ready to go. So I know that, you know, we're working on this plan, but what, what would you do first if this was you doing an independent investigation? Would you do the accident recon first? Where would you even start? I would start with the 911 call because that was the first thing. Okay. So a state analysis person is going to tell you, hey, three is the liar's number. He says three men stopped. Okay, I would stop right there. Go to that person and say, go line by line, word for word. Does this 911 call ring true? Does it have any deception? Does it have any issues? Now, let me be clear. The deception, if there is any in any 911 call, sometimes the deception is not what you think it is. Maybe he wasn't looking at a work email. Maybe he was looking at porn and didn't want to say that. So there still could be deception. Okay. But it could be why he missed his son. Okay. But now is the time for you to come clean. Give us your phone. Mm -hmm. Show us at 842 where you were sending an email or reading one. Your phone will tell me that. But he's not going to cooperate, let's say. So then what do you do? But that's what I'm saying. That's a flag that doesn't go in. And that's on you, Aaron. Because I know you woman have got some issues. Y'all can't stand each other. Mm-hmm. But this is not for her. This is for your son. This is for your daughter. This is for your mama, Aaron, because some people are talking mad crazy about you and you could stop it. You could cover it up and say, okay, here, here's the email. It says 842 that I respond. Then do right. it. You're right. How hard is that? Yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's baffling to me because I've I've been a part of some, you know, I, I want to say nonsense before. And, and you know, so, something that even happened in Tennessee last week that that involved me. And I it was so bizarre 
that I chose not even to address it. So part of me says, you know, why wouldn't he just come forward and say, you know what? Fine. Exhume Grant's body, do the autopsy. Here you go. But then another part of me is like, well, wait, this is how I react to certain things. I just choose to ignore it. However, if somebody was alluding that I was involved in, in my child's death or I sexually abused my child, I mean, and I was innocent, I would go to the ends of the earth to prove my innocence. So I guess it, it's two different, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. But. Thing if I was the police department, I would be like, we are not going to have all these people saying we didn't do our due diligence. Bring mama in, bring everybody here, ask her, what do you want us to do? Do you want to, do you want us to walk through why a statement, you know, or an accident reconstruction wasn't necessary and then do that? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you bring up so many good points. Well, thank you so much for your time and of for course. your expertise. You really are. You're amazing. Okay. I chose to cut off the interview right there because at the end, I just tell her how awesome she is. And I'm so cringy sometimes. I hate my own voice. So I cut it off. But anyway, I really thought everything that Max said was so spot on. And it's just so interesting to hear the perspective of a female police officer who has that maternal instinct and can imagine what it would be like to be that mother on the receiving end of such unspeakable news. So I really appreciated her take. So anyway, I know that I've mentioned that as of two weeks ago, we have a team in place that's in the early stages of an investigation, which is so exciting. So we are taking Cheryl's advice and we're starting with the statement analysis person and they'll be writing an official report on the 911 call for our records. And I should be able to share that with everyone, I believe. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And I've linked out the GoFundMe in the show notes for today. So if you can donate, that's amazing. And if you can't, that's fine too. Just spread the word. And I'm sorry if it's weird to ask for donations, but that's unfortunately how private investigations are funded. And you know, it sucks that money has to be raised to do the job that someone else promised their community they do when they put their badge on. But here we are. So yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. <laughs> 